Now, my final guest this afternoon on this um, International Men's Day, I feel very honoured to have presented the programme. I really do because I have been um, listening to some amazing men who are working in our community who are uh, providing services, but also who are starting a conversation or keeping a conversation going that is crucial for the, um, the health, our future health going forward. So my last guest is Julian Lisa, the recently elected Liberal member for Barara, who gave an incredibly memorable maiden speech in Parliament in September this year, which will forever put a conversation about mental health, depression and suicide on the national agenda. Welcome to the Triple H Airways, Julian. It's wonderful to be here, Lucy, and congratulations on your great initiative today, uh, focusing on uh, men's health uh, today. I think it's a very appropriate uh, day and appropriate topic, and more strength to your arm. I deeply appreciate the the opportunity that you've given us for this conversation, because uh, suicide is a taboo subject that's been brought to the fore, and it struck me that... When when we say um, suicide is a victimless crime, they haven't counted the loved ones that are left behind. And that felt so important for you to share that you found the ripple effect has been unappreciated or unspoken about. And you've actually put that on the agenda. So our figures of eight Australians a day taking their lives... Actually, the figure is much bigger because there are all those people affected by those who who feel there's no other way than to take their life. Well, that's, that, that's right, Lucy. In fact, um, the figure is much bigger because, as we still know, um, suicide is very much underreported. Um, sometimes in our own community, you'll hear uh, of a car accident uh, somewhere and uh, the car accident doesn't involve anybody else. Um, and uh, it might be a car hitting a tree or something like that, and it'll be reported as a car accident, but very often it's actually suicide, and that in part um, uh, reveals the stigma that you was that, that you mentioned earlier. But uh, one of the things is even the suicide rate itself is is still underreported today. I had a, a historian speak to me uh, this week um, who's involved in uh, trying to look at new. Um, with uh, suicide and suicide in a societal context. And he said he thought that up to 40% uh, of um, uh, deaths that uh, were went before the coroner um, were actually suicides, which is a, a huge wow. number. And um, uh, as, I, as, as you were quoting in my speech, you know, you don't count the loved ones left behind. Um, mm. Suicide isn't a matter that just affects the person who's taken their own life. It affects their families and their friends. And I remember back to my, my father's death. Um, you know, uh, my father was a very quiet, reserved, shy man. Um, and yet, at his funeral, there would have been a thousand people easily. And uh, I remember um, when Matt Keane first became the member for Hornsby, one of the people that worked on his campaign with us, um, a young and highly intelligent man called Mike Powell took his own life too. And you know, the, uh, the chapel at Shaw was completely packed and uh, Matt and I ended up having to stand outside in the overflow. It was so big. And I think often when you have a death by suicide, you have this huge number of people that, uh, that, that, that come and attend the funeral. And I think that indicates that we actually all do really matter and we matter to other people. And even though there are times we feel lonely or times we feel that we don't matter to other people, the, the, the truth is, um, you know... We all need each other, and however isolated a person might be, they will matter to somebody. 
That's right. That's right. And that really, that conversation is being raised so much when when you have um, Kira Dart, uh, who was interviewed on um, Radio National the other day, saying, you know, there is always another way, uh, and it, please don't think it's the only answer. It it hurts to be left behind. Absolutely. I mean, there are, there are families who ask the question, you know, why me? What did I do wrong? And so on. What, what, why, why couldn't he or she have talked uh, and, uh, and, and realised how important they were to us? I mean, I think I, I recall in my own speech, um, you know, my, my father was giving us some signs the week before he died. Mm. We'd always been a family that hugged each other, but uh, he started giving us these very long hugs and... Uh, my father was a man who prided himself on being a great car parker and yet the week before he died, he just he didn't seem to care how he parked. And you know, rather than kind of saying, are you OK, as we do now, and 20 years ago, you wouldn't have thought to do that. And, uh, you know, I to speak to I was his son, here's my dad, like, you know, it's a, a, an awkward conversation. And the most important thing that I wanted to communicate to people and why I decided to talk about this in my speech is that We've got to notice the people around us, whether they're our family, whether they're our friends, whether they're the people we work with, the people that we see in community organisations at the shops or on the trains. And if we see people acting differently, if we see people who aren't themselves, we see somebody who doesn't look quite quite, quite happy, we, we, it's really important that we go up to them and say, are you OK? And if we think that they might be feeling suicidal, very important that we ask that very very difficult and direct question are you feeling suicidal because if a person is feeling suicidal and you and you confront them directly and you can get them to talk that is the single best chance we have of saving a life and it's very much about the language that we're using you're you're talking about just being open and honest but the, the language that we use around suicide and how suicide is reported, very often there's that word um, committing suicide, which is so incredibly wrong because actually, as you have said in this interview today, it's death by suicide or are they feeling suicidal? It's, it's a, um, there's a shame attached to it, which is why very often people who are feeling so depressed that they feel that's their only option don't communicate it because there's a sin and a stigma attached. Look, I, I think that's right. I mean, uh, we need to get to a point where people see mental health just like breaking a leg or breaking an arm. It's something that, you know, happens to people. And, uh, you know, if you've, uh, if you've broken your leg or broken your arm, you wouldn't be trying to hobble around on it. Mm. You go and seek help. And uh, mental health is exactly the same. If there are people listening to the program who... Uh, who are not feeling um, them, themselves, who are feeling depressed, who are feeling, you know, alone, then, then they should seek attention. They should seek help either from uh, from their, their, their GP or they should uh, feel free to call uh, Lifeline or Beyond Blue or um, the, the various organisations that, uh, that that help people. And uh, uh, I think that's the most important thing, um, to, to know the signs and to do something about it as you would a broken leg. When you were growing up, did you think that you would be talking about this, doing this, uh, having these conversations? I mean, obviously, there's a before and then after. I know with, with people I know where something shocking like that and losing a parent has happened, whichever way they have passed. Um, there's a before and after in, in their world. 
what what did you want to what did you think your life was going to look like before your father passed look i thought uh, you know uh, uh, you would have a quote unquote normal life i, mm. I don't know that uh, you know one of the, the, the things that you realize when an event like this happens to you or to your family is that uh, no one leads a, a perfect life the idea of a perfect life where nothing bad happens and it's just like in the television programs. Everybody faces challenges and struggles. Um, you know, for some people it may be that they, they have family members with disability. For some people it may be that they find um, a family member who's uh, unemployed. For some people it might be that uh, they lose their house because of some financial or natural disaster. I and mean, there are all sorts of things that happen to people in their lives. And, uh, you know, I was completely shocked when this happened to me. And uh, so it's a very hard time for self. My, my younger brother was in year 11 going on to do his HSC. And, you know, for a moment was devastating as, as it was for me. You, you just don't expect these things to happen to you. But they also an opportunity to, that was a presented opportunity to, I mean, it was, as I said in the speech, it was the moment that I realised I I had to be the man of the family, the, the, the man of the household, and to, to take more responsibility to, to help mum, to be there for my brother, um, to come together even more closely as a family than, than we were before. And through it, uh, you, you hope that you become resilient. I mean, uh, there's, there's not a day that goes by where I don't think of my father, but I try not to think so much about how he died and focus more on the lessons he taught me by the way that he lived. Um, because the way that he lived and the way that he died are, are such different things. And I think it's important to acknowledge the effect uh, of the way that he died. And it's important to really encourage people who, who, who might need help to get help and encourage the rest of the community to actually notice the people around. That's, that's the important thing. So others don't face what, uh, what my family faced. But for me, um, I, I like to remember this man with a with a husky voice who liked easy listening music who'd you know support his kids by coming and sitting on the sidelines getting a suntan while we played cricket and yeah. uh, um you know uh, encouraged us in all the things that we did when uh, earlier in the show today we've had quite a few people who work with um young people talking about the importance of us role modeling men but i think all of us role modeling this openly expressive and caring way of communicating and um, our doctor who was just on the panel just before uh, was talking about the effect that not expressing that and not caring and not expressing from your heart can have on your physical health as well but we've got to role model it as the older models uh is that something that you encourage? You know your your cohort, your parliamentarians, your your family, your friends, your friendship group. Do you all try and encourage each other to be the role models that you feel we need to be for the younger generation coming through? Yes, I, I, I think that's absolutely the very essence of leadership. And one of the things that our country needs more than ever at this time is leadership. And I don't mean political leadership. I mean leadership in communities, I mean leadership in organisations, I mean leadership in our own peer groups. Um, you know, it needs people, when they see something that isn't going right, that they say something and do something, that they're prepared to stand up for others. And that people model a life to others as best as we all can. We're all flawed humans, yeah. as best as we all can to, to other people. And I think that's why role modelling is really important. I mean, I, 
I'm very conscious. It's one of the one of the things that an event like this really does for you. I'm very conscious of looking out for people when I don't think that they are themselves. I, I had a friend the other night who was posting some things on Facebook, and uh, you know, uh, as a friend, she's a friend of mine who's been really struggling. She's gone through a divorce, lives in Western Australia, um, lost a business. She's had a terrible year this year. Mm. And she just started post- posting some dark things on the Facebook page. And I called her up and I just said to her, look, are you, are you okay? You know, talk to me. Tell me that everything's okay. Because there's one thing to go around, you know, talking about these things. There's one thing to do interviews on these things. There's another thing actually to do in yes. life. And I think that's where, that, that, that's where leadership starts. You're following through not just talking but actually actions as well. Yeah. And one of the things I'm intending to do in this space is to write a book. I've been meeting thousands of people uh, and hearing from thousands of people since my speech. I still get probably two or three pieces of correspondence a day on, on these issues. And uh, it's a privilege to um, hear the stories of other Australians who've um, been bereaved by suicide or who've um, contemplated uh, suicide and who've come through the other side. And uh, also to, to hear the amazing efforts of different people in different organisations that are trying to um, uh, encourage people to take action, encourage people to realise that if uh, they have mental health issues that, that, that there's no stigma attached, there shouldn't be a stigma in terms of uh, seeking help. And uh, what I intend to do is to write and tell some of the um, extraordinary stories and uh, talk about some of the things the good work people are doing, but also put forward a bit of a charter for reform. Um, uh, so I can have looked back and said, well, I made a speech. It resonated with people. I've heard some, some stories, but we've taken it to, a, to the next stage, to a piece of advocacy for an argument for, for, for change so we can do something to, to try and reduce those, those terrible numbers. It's very valuable, isn't it? And in a way, that's, that's a, a proactive approach to being a member of parliament it's not about you know just going from one election to the next making sure you're re-elected but actually in the time that you're in there doing something that represents the community and one of my questions was going to be what has the response been and you've clearly answered it that you you opened a door and you've been privileged to hear the community, and I suspect way beyond your local electorate com- uh, community, who all want to say, could you represent my voice as well, please? Could you hear my story? Uh, absolutely. I think there's that wonderful line in uh, Arthur Miller's play, Death of a Salesman, attention must be paid. Mm. So many people have got stories and so many people are, feel pain in this area and they, and they want to share that, that, that story I've been so humbled by the response from people in our electorate, but as you say, across the country, I had a beautiful letter from Julia Gillard, who's from the other side of politics, and I've said some pretty tough things about Julia Gillard over the years, mm. but I think it, it indicated the, the, the nature of the response to this issue. I, I'm in politics to change things, to make Australia a better place, to make Barara a stronger community, and you know whether I have a short career or a long career, my job is first and foremost to to serve the community and to stake out a few key policy positions and advance some causes there. I'm not interested in the game-playing side of politics. I'm not interested in the horse race of who's up who. Mm. I'm really interested in trying to get outcomes. And so that's why I wanted to, to give a speech that only dealt with a couple of issues, but hopefully touched on them with substance and then try and forward a, a bit of a game plan going going forward there. And uh, uh, you know, it's such a privilege to do this role and, and I hope I'll be able to make the sort of difference that people are people are seeking in the community, particularly on, on the issue of um, 
suicide and mental health. Well, I want to say thank you because you're making it about people. You're not making it so much about uh, ideologies and sides and, you know, what whose side is whose. You're making it about people. And for me, that's representing me on a bigger scale. You know, it's... I, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lucy. And thank you for being a part of International Men's Day and being our last interviewer, interviewee, I should say, interviewee. Thank you very much. And I, I hope that we get to hear more of you on our airways as you, I know you've been on here before, but continue to, to support our station. I look forward to it, Lucy. All the very best to you and all the very best to your listeners. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.